Welcome to the Officer Media Group Roll Call Podcast. Officer Roll Call is meant to inform and entertain. Now, let's get into this episode. Welcome to the Officer Roll Call Podcast. I'm Paul Peluso, the editor of Officer Magazine. And as always, I'm joined by Frank Borelli, the editorial director of the Officer Media Group. How's it going today, Frank? Good morning, Paul. How are you today? I'm doing pretty well. So today we're talking about evidence forensics and investigations. Um, digital forensics have played a key role in many investigations today, and some major advancements have been made over the past few years. Uh, as, as the use of digital forensics continues to grow, it's important that officers, detectives, and command staff have a basic understanding of the technology and be involved in the process. I recently spoke to Jad Saliba, the founder and chief technology officer at Magnet Forensics, and Justin Tolman, a forensic subject matter expert at Xtero, for an article that will appear in an upcoming issue of Officer Magazine. Both Jad and Justin spoke about how much digital forensics has changed and how the software used is adapted to the growing needs of law enforcement. Before we get started, Frank, during your career in law enforcement, how have you seen the use of digital forensics become more involved in investigation, investigation and how has your knowledge of digital forensics changed over the years? Well, you know, I'm, I'm ashamed to say that my knowledge of it hasn't changed much at all because it's never really been a concern or focus for me, but it's changed massively over the course of my career. Um, I mean, I started in the mid 80s uh, out of the military on the street. And, um, you know, if if anybody had a cell phone, then it was the size of a briefcase or a small purse or something. It's not like people had phones in their pockets, cell phone pocket, you know, cell phones didn't really exist. Then we finally got into them in the 90s. And, uh, you know, then we just started to become aware of what information was available on a phone, more often than not on the street, uh, officers were looking at arrestees' cell phones for who their contacts were and what their text messages were um, to get intelligence that they could use to go pursue somebody else. And then, of course, case law develops and uh, a whole specialization grew around digital forensic evidence and how it had to be captured or how it had to be controlled, the warrant process necessary, the Fourth Amendment concerns, I mean, it grew so large. And by the time it really became the specialty that it is today, uh, I was off the street and not doing any investigations. I was dedicated solely to training and I didn't have the expertise to train the topic. So I didn't really stay informed of it. But I mean, it's changed so radically. Um, but you're talking about a 30 year span now. And we would yeah. expect that it'd be interesting to see how it's going to change in the next 10. Well, exactly. And, um, you know, when I talked to, um, Jad from Magnet Forensics, um, he said that also the understanding um, from command staff, detectives, and officers from that perspective is really improved um, over the years. That if you look back like 10 years ago, uh, a, a lot of you know law enforcement officers looked at digital forensics as thinking of it as just a small team of you know technicians in a lab wearing lab coats um, doing super technical work. And that they were the only ones that could really understand or access this data. And, um, and that, that has changed now. And then uh, a lot of senior leadership and police are starting to realize that digital evidence is um, becoming the most important evidence that they use. And in some cases is 
you know, surpassing DNA. Um, of course, DNA is still, you know, super important, but that it, it's no longer, you know, that, that it's there not might the end be. all be all. But the well, thing is, you know, well, yeah, sorry, but, two, but two things here, though, yeah, Paul, two things have changed in, in a radical way. One from 10 years ago, some of the people that were learning about it are now moved into those command positions. Thank yeah, God for promotions and, and better instruction. And the other thing is that the industry that develops the software for digital forensics um, capturing for, for everything we need to do mm -hmm. to access phones. You're absolutely right. It used to be just a couple of guys not wearing lab coats in an office with specialized hardware and desktop computers equipped beyond any average we would ever expect. They had 10 times the RAM and 10 times the hard drive space and special connections and uh, segmentation from the internet, stuff like that. And now the software is such that you can access stuff on the street so much easier. The development yeah. of it has made it easier to use and that increases awareness in and of itself. Well, yeah, and, but all I was going to add before is that, yeah, it used to be like the exception when, when you would have a phone involved in a case. And now it's like, if you don't have a phone involved, it's like, where, why isn't there a phone that, that there must be a phone uh, because everybody has one now, you know, you look yeah. 10, 15, 20 years ago, it was, yeah, um, and especially smartphones. Uh, there's a lot more information that can be stored on those. So, um, yeah, another thing we talked about is just the, the, the tools at the disposal of um, technicians and uh, the, at, of you know, command staff and detectives when it comes to digital forensics that a lot of the software being developed um, is making lives easier uh, for them, that it's automating a lot of the processes and taking, um, I guess, reducing the valuable time uh, that, that these can these processes can run in the background and yeah. um, things that would have used to take, you know, hours and hours and hours of manpower um, can, can be done um, automatically now using this, um, using this and, and then also being able to present it um, to the officer, the, the detective involved um, because like uh, Justin Tolman from Xtero uh, told me that a, a lot of it is, getting the detectives and officers involved in the investigation or in the digital forensics side of it, um, because they have more contextual knowledge of cases that they know more facts about the case than, you know, the technician would. And even knowing more about the area involved. Um, he talked about how he, when he worked for the, um, uh, when, when he did investigations in, uh, the Bureau of Criminal uh, Investigations for Ohio, um, he had moved from Washington State, moved over there and didn't know much about the area. Um, right. But he had this computer background and it would be, you know, detectives would know the streets, would know exactly where something would happen and would know, you know, where the suspects whereabouts would usually be. And that if the technicians and the detectives can work hand in hand, that that really uh, improves things. Yeah, and everything has to be taken in context, especially when you look at the amount of information that can be captured from text messages or um, phones being used. So as, as the example, if I have a, a suspect cell phone and I can look at the numbers he's called and if they're not numbers programmed in or 
if they're programmed in, but it's nicknames or it's a location that's used yeah. to identify the other individual without the context you're talking about, without knowing the area or without knowing the drug trade in that area or whatever, the information is almost worthless. But with that context and the knowledge of this, the guys working the street, all of a sudden it becomes highly valuable data. And where it's really serving us well in law enforcement is in warrant applications and identification of suspects involved in different crimes that we otherwise wouldn't connect. Yeah, and um, you know, an, another thing here is, um, the, and you talked about it a little bit too, that going to the cloud, uh, that being able to house this um, information and data, um, not necessarily on, you know, like a, a information center. Server. Yeah, 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 on on the localized servers. Um, though you know, a lot of departments and agencies still do that, and you know, it, it works for them that by being able to house it on the cloud, it, it that frees up a lot of time too. Because at one point in a lot of these um, departments, you know, would kind of be, you know, IT data managers more than, um, you know, managing these investigations and that it took a lot of time and resources away from what they really wanted to be doing um, to, to manage a lot of this, you know. It did, the, and the it hardware. slowed down investigations too. Of course. You know, the, the biggest thing about the cloud, especially when it first came into being, was uh, when you look at evidentiary chain of, of custody and, and you have to have 100% control, 100% trackability. And here was this ethereal thing, the cloud, where your, your evidence was going to be there and who has access to it and who can get access to it and how do you control it and how do you show chain of custody. And all of that seemed too large of a hurdle to, to jump over. And then, you know, the processes get developed, the protocols come into being, and it becomes more manageable. What 10 years ago was a completely unacceptable thought uh, is now commonplace. And it has to be. Um, it has to be because you have, um, they, we know nobody expected the pure amount of data that was going to have to be controlled. You know, we used to think it was going to be megabytes and it's terabytes. Yeah. And pretty soon it's going to be petabytes. And you, know, you can't do that with a localized server without incurring huge cost. So for most agencies, probably 95% of them or more in the country, it is simply more cost effective and now accepted to have all that data stored in the cloud. And it also allows your guys on the street to be able to access it which increases the speed and efficiency of an investigation or of an inquiry, rather than having to drive back to some kind of centralized hub, put in a request, get approval, wait for the data to be found, and then hand it to you, all of which might take hours. You get in your laptop, log into a system, search, find it, there you go. You're accessing it without being able to edit it. So your chain of custody is controlled. Much more efficient way of doing things, even though we resisted it for so long. Yeah, and um, you know, speaking before to Justin Tolman from Xero, he said that yeah, even five years ago, um, a lot of people would talk about the cloud as being a negative, and now they're seeing a huge shift. And when they talk to people, uh, commanders, police chiefs, lieutenants, and they mention the cloud, they don't hear objections anymore. They realize that security and technology has come a long way, and that um, that 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 has been a big thing, but that. Like you said, the amount of data coming through is so enormous that um, 
that they'll pretty much always be playing catch up. Uh, the technology is advancing on the investigation side, but so is, you know, the size of the photos and the videos and everything mm-hmm. that's captured by the phone that uh, it, it's really, you know, it, it really is playing catch up um, to be able to store all of that data and, um, and process it. Yeah, and, and it is kind of uh, interesting collation, and it's almost in reversal. You know, when we first got cell phones, they were so big, and then they shrank so small, and then we began accessing the internet more and more and more on them, and they started to get bigger again. And when you look at the technology versus the data, it used to take such a big camera, as the example, to take such a small digital picture, and now it takes such a small camera to take a large, highly defined digital picture. And then when you start recording video, it's just, it's, it's, it's the interesting to me, like I said, reverse correlation, the smaller the tech gets, the larger the data seems to be that we can capture and store. Um, and at some point there has to come a limit and we'll figure that out. Evolution and technology will meet. Um, but it's, it, it's amazing. And I, I say this, it's odd for me to say this. We live in interesting times. It'll be interesting to see what simply the next five years of technology innovation brings us much less the next 20 or 30. Yeah, and Frank, just to you know, wrap this up. Um, just over your career, and just you know, looking back, what role do you think that the data taken off of phones, cell phones, and these new newer smartphones, what role do you think that's played in investigations? And um, do, you, do you think that it's been beneficial to uh, uh, detectives and departments? Oh, I think there's no way to say. We we have to acknowledge that it's played a very significant and growing role. And the amount of data that we can get continues to increase. When you think about what a cell phone had back 20 years ago, 15 years ago, you know, you had text messages um, and you had phone calls. Now, with a, with a smartphone, we have text messages, phone calls, all the GPS tracking information, photos that are in a bear, where the photos were taken, so much others to access to social media accounts. There's, there's a huge amount of intelligence now that we can access, and it's playing a growing role in investigations. Um, but the, the other side of that is there are far more controls on what we have to do to access it and then how we control it after it's been accessed. More and more cases, like you said, are being built on digital data. Uh, and that's kind of, it's like Bitcoin. I can hold a thousand dollars in my hand in cash or in coins, but for to say I have a thousand dollars in Bitcoin, that that's hard to relate to because it's purely bytes. It's just data on the internet. And that's what a lot of our evidence is so much like that now. It's data out of a smartphone. Mm-hmm. Uh, being able to access it and control it is, has become vital. It's, it's going to continue to grow, but it's definitely grown just in the last 10 or 20 years. Great. Well, I'd like to thank everybody for uh, joining us today. As always, uh, if you have any questions for us, you can drop us an email at editors at officer.com. That's editors at officer.com. And is there anything you wanted to add, Frank? You know, I'd like to throw one warning out there, Paul, for, for, yeah. for the folks that don't have the expertise or haven't had the right class or aren't sure, I would caution against accessing a subject's phone. If you're doing an investigation, you've got an encounter on the street, you ask somebody, can I see your cell phone? Will you unlock it? Um, it's kind of like the consent search for a car. You know, we used to be able to just testify. They said, yes, so we searched your car. <clears throat> and then we could use any evidence that we found. And then we got to the point where we actually had to have signed consent forms. It's the same thing with their phone. They can't just hand you their phone. 
Yeah. And, and say, sure, here, it's unlocked. Look at whatever you want. And then you take that and start forwarding stuff to yourself or doing screen captures. You take you do whatever you do with. Can't do that. Consent forms, controlled searches, all this stuff is so careful. I would caution the average patrol officer to be careful how he uses anything he gains from a subject's or suspect's cell phone. Other than that, I just want everybody to stay safe and, and look for the technology to evolve. Great. Well, thanks for joining us, everyone, and uh, take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of Officer Roll Call. Be sure to check back every two weeks for a new episode. Stay safe.